It's day five of Streak Week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and we've reached episode 160, where our guest will be Jeremy Lance. And Jeremy and I have worked together a bunch, actually, in our careers, and I definitely enjoyed interviewing him on this episode. Just a reminder, Streak Week continues. We'll have three more episodes after this one, and then... We'll release them back at a fairly normal schedule, maybe. If you like Streak Week, let me know on Sunday Pod or the Lee W. Mowen on Twitter, and maybe this will be a yearly thing. I don't know. But here's Jeremy Lance on episode 160 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. 12-ounce sports. Quench your sports thirst. Articles, live shows, and podcasts. Visit 12ozsportsradio.com. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about my bookie. Since 2014, it's the place where you can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. Get up to $1,000 on your first deposit bonus. Use the promo code 12ozsports. As well as sports betting, you can play some casino games, take in some live odds in Madden 20 and NBA 2K20, and even bet with Bitcoin. Visit mybookie.ag and use that promo code 12OZSports. That's 12OZSports. MyBookie, the industry's most rewarding loyalty program. It's episode 160 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, where our special guest is Jeremy Lance, a commissioner with Gotham Soccer, sideline reporter for high school football on WMOH, half of the Wrong Side of the Pond podcast, soccer play-by-play gun for hire, and former public relations director and play-by-play voice with the Cincinnati Saints and Dayton Dynamo. We're talking local sports, broadcasting, and more on episode 160. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcasts to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. On the phone, we have Jeremy Lance. Jeremy, how are you? Lee, I'm doing great. It's great to hear from you. How's everything during this uh, quarantine for you? Uh, it's, you know, it's different. I think like most people, we're kind of, you know, <laughs> in uncharted waters. It certainly is different. So, Jeremy, you do a lot of great stuff. You're a commissioner with Gotham Soccer. You are a sideline reporter for high school football on WMOH and also half of the Wrong Side of the Podcast or Wrong Side of the Pod and also a very good soccer play-by-play guy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the resume. And also we work together with the Dayton Dynamo where up here in Montgomery County, and you were with the Cincinnati Saints before that move, too. Uh, that's correct. So, let's begin. Where are you from? 
Uh, that is always I, – I always uh, laugh about that one. That's kind of a bit of a loaded question because I've moved so much. So, uh, I, I, you know, I was born in the Chicago area, Wheaton, Illinois. Um, I moved to Milwaukee when I was like three, lived there for a good bit of childhood. Um, but by and large, have spent most of my life in Cincinnati – and mainly, you know, I grew up in like the Westchester area, went to Lakota East High School. Um, but yeah, kind of just always been in Southwest Ohio for the most part since about the mid 90s. Can you remember a lot of your stops before getting to Westchester? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I remember Milwaukee. I have really no memories of living in Chicago or anything. Fair enough. So when did you decide that you wanted to become a broadcaster? You know, I think I think there's a few factors that played it. I, I always wanted to be the center of attention. I always wanted to be the one that everybody was watching when we were, you know, even just as a family hanging out in the living room. Mm. Uh, I always wanted to be putting on a show and, and doing stuff, whether I was, you know, making up a song or pretending to be some character that I invented. Uh, you know, even back in middle school and grade school i had like one of those i don't know if you remember those talk boys that you got uh, they were famous in home alone <laughs> um i had i had one of those and i would literally make my own radio shows with those in my bedroom um so i mean i, I would do stuff like that at a pretty early age which is kind of a weird thing for a kid to be doing but that was that was me um i was also like i was obsessed with David Letterman, uh, even back when I was like in, in, you know, elementary school, uh, you know, so I was always interested in that kind of talking head, that performer, um, so always wanted to do that. I was also a kid that like most people that grew up in the nineties, I watched sports center and all that stuff, uh, religiously growing up. So Obviously, sports broadcasting was always kind of like the super cool thing to do. Like that's what all the cool guys did is they were they were on Sports Center, you know, Kenny Maine and all those guys. Um, so yeah, that was that was probably part of it. I, I and I think radio was always that thing that I was a big fan of. Um, even as a little kid, I would I still to this day I can't sleep with just no noise, so I, I have to listen to a podcast or something now. Back then, I would have a radio, and I would listen to, you know, a Reds game late at night uh, as I was fall asleep as a kid. Or I would listen to just random talk, you know, sports talk shows or other talk shows um, and became obsessed with a lot of those. I was someone who grew up uh, listening to, like, guys like Jim Rome, uh, Dan Patrick. Um, you know, I even listened to – there's a guy that does not a sports show, but – just an amazing radio show named Phil Hendry, who was syndicated all across the U.S., and he would literally make up his own guests and characters that would call into the show. So I was just always in love with radio. Mm. Um, so that was always one of the things I always wanted to do is get involved in that. Do you remember any of your radio shows back on the – you said talk back, right? Yeah, I'm a little talk, I'm a little talk boy player, yeah. I uh, – yeah. So I, I had a persona that I would, and my parents still, but they were just in town this past weekend, and they 
always uh, won't miss a, a chance to make fun of the goofy things I did as a kid. <laughs> and, uh, and I had a persona, and the character's name was Dave Budapest. And that was my on-air persona. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, um, originally the talk boy didn't come to mind. You know those little uh, recorders, like the Yakbacks? That's what I was originally thinking of. Like, oh, yeah. I, I've, yeah, where you could just do like a few seconds and then like hit the button and it would just keep playing it back as many times as you want. Yeah, I, I don't know why I thought that was what you were talking about, but I remember the big uh, cassette recorders. Um I have, yeah, yeah, the little talk boy. That I think it was it was Home Alone too, wasn't it? That yes, it was that yes. Kevin used. Yeah, <laughs> he got a large pizza from that, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, you had a radio show, and all I did on mine was just make fart noises and just play them backwards all the time. <laughs> I I mean different different talents, right? You know, <laughs> everyone's got their own flavor. <laughs> exactly. So, when was your first big break? When you decided that you wanted to be a broadcaster and you got your first shot, what was it? Um, you, you know, I mean, there was there was obviously where, where you and I met. We met in, in college uh, back at Wright State mm-hmm. uh, on the campus radio station there. That was kind of the first taste of, like, actually getting to do radio. Um, so that, that was probably the first one. I think before that, you know, in high school, I got to do – I was on the morning announcements where we had like a video morning announcements and, and you, you were really supposed to just kind of say like, you know, Hey, there's a, there's a meeting for, you know, the, the, this club, you know, on Tuesday at 4 PM. And I, that's all it was supposed to be. And luckily I had like a, a teacher who was pretty cool and he let us kind of do some, some goofy things with it and kind of kind of ham it up and, and have fun with it. So I, I, I love doing that. And that was kind of one of the first things I got to do. Um, and then obviously at Wright State doing the radio. And then, and then after that, um, you know, after that, I went, I went to, uh, I went to the broadcasting school uh, here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And from there, one of the first breaks I got was, uh, an internship opportunity to uh, become a sports stringer. So it, a stringer in is kind of a in industry term, I guess, but it really just means like a freelance reporter. So I would go and I would go to uh, a Reds game and I would sit in the press box and kind of just hang out there and call in score updates. And then at the end, I would go around and get audio of – uh, you know, players and managers, and then I would just cut it up and send it off to the company that you work for, and then they would send it off to all the people within that network, all the radio stations within that network, so that they could use it. So that was like the first break I stumbled upon that. A, a guy who was teaching at the school um, was doing that himself, but he his schedule got a little busy, so he couldn't do all the games. So I started kind of picking up for him mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of yeah that was one of the big ones do you remember when your first play-by-play broadcasting break was um, I'm trying to think you know I, I remember what you and I did like I think a baseball game or two together at one point in time in, in college um, and I think before that I did a few things in high school I'm trying to remember what they were um, but yeah, I think play-by-play honestly 
my first time really just being the play-by-play guy was for the Cincinnati Saints. I was, you know, I had a little bit of experience of doing some stuff in college and in high school that was kind of minor and only, you know, had maybe a pretty limited experience in it. Uh, but I had already started the wrong side of the pond podcast and we had the owner of the Saints on and they were kind of making their big announcement that they were going to be heading up to the NPSL and they were trying to make a real run at it of making it a viable product in the Cincinnati market. And one of the things they wanted to do was have their games on public access so that people could watch it and stream it online and they needed a play-by-play team. And so I kind of, you know, kind of just threw my name out there without really going like, oh, yeah, I I definitely know what I'm doing. Um, And they kind of just gave me a shot to run with it. And uh, my my, uh, podcast partner, who is the uh, DJ Schweitzer, who's a former uh, collegiate soccer player, kind of was able to, you know, jump in and become a a pretty decent player. uh, call it commentator since he knew the game very well. And it was, it was a pretty natural transition, but yeah, it really just came from like, just going like, Oh yeah, I can do that. They're like, Oh, you can. I was like, um, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I was glad we were able to work in college radio, but there's one regret. Well, actually two. Um, but the one was, we never got to call a hockey game together. No, we did. Now remember, I'm trying to remember, right. The hockey was, did that just start or that we were just trying to get that the station was just trying to get that done where they could actually do that. Right. What, Cause I remember we had some limitations as far as like what we could broadcast. Cause we just didn't, they just the, we couldn't get the equipment and a line run out to like half the fields at the school. Yeah. Um, well, the long story short is we had to use, um, a flip jack and we had to use a cell phone to connect it so that's in the days of the uh, flip phones and everything so the sound quality was a bit poop but uh we were yeah, able I, to I think i remember that with with soccer too right like i want to say the first year out of that right state they didn't have the capability for us to go out to the soccer field and actually call those games either yeah. it was basically just baseball my first year as sports director, we did Fairborn football, and then the second year I said, let's do soccer. And I found out there is a phone line at Alumni Field's old press box. So <laughs> we uh, we had to sit on top of the uh, – you know, we should have done soccer too now that I think about it. But, yeah, we had to sit on top of the old press box because the old one you could fit like two people. The new one is beautiful. It's nice. You could fit like – a bunch of people like three no uh, you can fit more than three but it's uh it's a beautiful new press box but yeah that's what we had to do uh we would need a simple phone line and i remember trying it out at kettering and they gave me oh i think they gave me a voip line and it doesn't work with the old zircom yeah rest in peace that old thing but uh yeah we had to use cell phone technology to broadcast raider hockey and i remember i was so terrible at it um <laughs> i actually talked about this the second to last interview i had uh someone had to give me a rule book for it so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think i i went one time uh when the i'm trying to think it wasn't the dayton it was i think it was the dayton bombers Mm. Uh, when they were there, that I think they were there for maybe one year while we were at Wright State, and I think they eventually you know, folded like most of those teams end up doing. Um, but I want to say that the guy 
and he works in Dayton now. I believe it is, is it, is it uh, JT uh, Zaba? Yes, he was. Uh, he's actually a guest um, on my podcast. I recorded his interview last night. And uh, oh, okay, yeah. So he he, says hi. he was the play-by-play guy for the bomber. Yes, and he actually, I, I kind of connected with him, and he invited me over to. I think it was actually when they were playing against the Cyclones, mm. and he invited me to like come and like kind of sit in for a period with them. And I did, and it was, like, the most nerve-wracking thing ever because it's like, oh, okay, I grew up playing hockey. <laughs> I know this game. And then just it's just it's just moving so fast, and you're just like, ah. <laughs> Were you on the uh, fourth floor of the Thunder Center? Uh, no, it was actually it was, uh, it was an away game, so it was actually at U.S. Uh, Bank Arena okay. or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, I think, uh, well, it's Heritage Bank, but I think yesterday I – was about to call it Hickory Banks. Like, whoa, where'd that come from? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Heritage Bank, a bank that's yeah. so famous that no one in Cincinnati has actually heard of it. Do they actually have a branch in Cincinnati, or am I? The I, don't, only I, one? I hope so. They have a stadium <laughs> in Cincinnati now, so you might want to, you know, maybe open up a couple shops there, guys. Uh, nah, we have the name. That's good enough. But <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's that's a lot of great memories and. Uh, let's go to the Cincinnati Saints. Um, you mentioned uh, wrong side of the pod with DJ uh, Schweitzer, right? Or yep. Switzer. Uh, Schweitzer. Um, he played uh, collegiate soccer at Ohio Northern with the Polar Bears. And you two have uh, a long uh, tenured podcast. Uh, what is it, seven seasons? Something like that? Yeah, we, yeah it was, uh, it was uh, 2013 is when we started, so yeah. I thought it was a lot older than that. I don't know why I did, but, um, yeah, it's a great podcast for those that love soccer. I definitely recommend giving DJ and Jeremy's podcast a look-see and, you know, give them a link after, you know, all is said and done. But what is it like to have a not only a long-tenured podcast, but like a media company that helps grow the game of soccer in Southwest Ohio? Yeah, you know, so – the the wrong side of the pond kind of brand started out as like just a blog that DJ started up because um, he he had just finished college and he kind of got a real world job and he was living in a different he was living in uh, Kentucky away from most of the people he knew and so he didn't have anyone to like talk about soccer with so he was like well I'll just start a blog so he started that and then a couple of years later I run into him. At the weirdest thing, I don't know if you remember this. It, it, you almost say it out loud to people, and they're like, "I don't think that actually happened." Mm-hmm. Uh, Wigan Athletics had just won the FA Cup in England, mm-hmm. and they were doing a U.S. tour. And for some reason that I don't even think they fully understood, they agreed to play the Dayton Dynamo at Piqua High School's old stadium. Yeah, Alexander. where the grass was probably a foot tall, <laughs> and and, um, and so DJ and I were one of the, like the two, one of the few media people. Um, I think I think the Dayton Daily News uh, sent like a photographer, and then I was there for WMOH because I was like, well, I got to get press pass for this because this is insane that you know this team that just won, you know, just de- defeated Manchester City. Uh, and, and won the FA Cup in England is going to be playing at Piqua High School's old stadium. I was like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard of. So I'm going to go and try to get a pass to this. So I did. And, 
ended up covering it. And DJ was really the only other media person that I saw there. And so we, we had, I think, talked maybe one or two times online and, and um, finally just met in person. And from there, we were like, hey, let's, you know, let's do something. We both want to talk about soccer. That's both our passion. Mm-hmm. Let's, what if we did a podcast off of the blog that you already had? Um, so actually originally we were going to do a radio show. I was working for, uh, a, a short lived radio station called FM 100, the fan in Cincinnati, yeah. um, where I was a producer there and they did some weekend hosting and, and we had just had this big meeting about like, Hey, we want to do a lot of local content on the weekend. You know, a lot of times during the year, we don't have a whole lot of stuff we're playing. We haven't got a bunch of contracts as far as being like the the flagship station of any teams. So let's just do a lot of local programming. You know, anyone can do it. And so I, I pitched the whole thing. I was like, hey, let's, what about a soccer show? And I remember uh, uh, David Harris, our, our uh, production, our program director was like, I love it. Let's do it. The like, hockey is the next big thing and that's going to happen in this country. Let's, or uh, soccer is, and let's, let's go after it. And so I, I go tell DJ, I was like, hey, we're going to do a radio show. This is going to be awesome. Uh, we'll do it on, like, Saturday mornings. We can literally do it, like, right after the, you know, games generally are on, like, 10 a.m., kind of the main window that matches are on on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we'll just go on right after the 10 a.m. matches and talk about, like, Premier League and talk about all, you know, talk about soccer here locally. It'll be so awesome. Like two weeks later, I'm leaving Bengals training camp and get pulled into a teleconference meeting with everybody in the company. And they're like, hey, uh, you're all fired. We're going back to an oldies station. And so I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm not doing that radio show anymore. So then I was like, hey, let's just do a podcast. We've been, yeah, it was 2013 is when we started. And uh, yeah, we've been going strong ever since. And it's, it's fun to, you know, do something, talk about something you love on a weekly basis. Like for us, half of it is just us getting together and having a beer and talking about soccer and just turning mics on at the same time. I do miss uh, 100.3 FM when it was sports. And uh, Jeff Picora was also on that station too, wasn't he? Yeah, he, so he would come on and do a bunch of red stuff. Um, so Jeff and I actually, we, and, and, a, and a friend of mine, Ricky Chino, who works still at uh, 700 WLW, mm-hmm. we were supposed to have this radio show, the afternoon drive show together and on um, uh, Real Talk 1160. And that, that bombed out after, I think, three months because I stopped showing up because they stopped paying everybody. Mm. Um, and then Rick was just still there. And then it was red in the middle of red season. So like Jeff was like on the road the whole time. So it dissolved pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it Jeff Jeff was there. Uh, 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 Richard Skinner had like the afternoon show and it, it was, it was a really good, you know, concept for a radio station, but the corporate heads, I guess, didn't see, you know, the money could be, you know, getting made or the ratings going up fast enough. So they just pulled the plug after like, I think it was only around for like eight months. It was a shame too. I mean, Hey, more sports stations, the better. And I wish we had, uh, you know, sports stations up here in Dayton, but yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, well, I mean, even in Cincinnati, like being a bigger market, you have, 
you really just have one actual sports station that has local content. You just have 1530 because 1360 is just syndicated stuff all day. Mm-hmm. And then 700 is, you know, is primarily a news station and just does reds. And then, you know, Ken Brew has his weekend show and there's a few little smattering of things, but there, there hasn't been in such a long time in this city, like an actual sports station that you have in a, most big cities where you have a lineup from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. of just local content. And that's a shame. I mean, that's kind of why I started this podcast, because there's great local sports. And I I think the situation's a little better in Cincinnati, but at the same time, just I feel like, you know, Cincinnati-Dayton sports, just, you know, there could be a lot more love for it. So... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people that like sports and, and want to talk about it and want to listen to stuff. And, and the few shows that do, you know, the Lance McAllister, the Mo Eggers, like those guys get what I believe is pretty good ratings because they're literally one of the few outlets, in, you know, here in Cincinnati. And I like listening to both of them. And exactly. It's just, I don't know. That's another topic for another day. I could... Uh... <laughs> I could go on on that, but let's wind back to the Cincinnati Saints. What was your first year like with the team, and what was the first season like with the Saints? Um, you know, the first season you know, for me was awesome. Like, I'm working for this soccer team. I'm helping run their media relations. I'm doing their, uh, you know, their play-by-play, which you like doing soccer play-by-play. I, I always wanted to do something like that, and getting that opportunity was so cool. Um, and, and I, you know, it was, it was like a perfect setup where I, I get paired up with a guy I've already been doing a podcast with for a couple of years. So it was just a very easy transition. Um, it was a great organization that had a lot of great ideas mm-hmm. and was really passionate about trying to make soccer, um, happen at a professional level in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And so from that standpoint, it was awesome. Uh, obviously on field, um, the team, the team was not good. Uh, luckily, they're, they're, the few wins they have did come at home, which were the games that we broadcast. So as far as I had to interact with, it was it was more wins than losses, but uh, a rough season. Um, and and so the first year was, was pretty cool. You know, the big thing for me is, is from that media relations standpoint, like I was trying to like tell people, like, please care about us. Please follow soccer. And, it's really cool uh, that, like, the guy that is now the, the beat reporter for FC Cincinnati for the Inquirer, Pat Brennan, mm-hmm. he, you know, he was one of those few people that actually reached back out and was, like, definitely wanting to try to cover uh, cover the team at the time. Like, saw, saw a need for it, saw a passion for it. Um, so it's it cool to that. You know, also, like, you know, when I was working at the Saints uh, that second year, um, you know, the, the intern I hired for the year to kind of help me out and help some other stuff out kind of on the communication side is Charlie Hatch, who now is he works for FC Cincinnati and is in their communications department and has his own podcast, the, the official team podcast, and uh, does all, all sorts of cool stuff. So it's cool to see, like, the lingering elements of what the Saints were still kind of in the the soccer ethos that exists in the city today. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that's that's amazing that, you know, both of those gentlemen you mentioned, they're working for the big soccer team in Cincinnati, and they got their start with the Saints, although Pat Brennan covered the Saints. But yeah, well, time. you know, and we also, that, that second uh, that second season, we actually had, I was able to get Lindsey Patterson to come do sidelines for us, and now she's the sideline person for FC Cincinnati. Doesn't she also do Bengals stuff, or am I dreaming that? Yeah, she I, she she does Bengal stuff too um, for the Inquirer. Yeah, she does she does a lot of stuff. It's amazing how much she covers in Cincinnati as well. But yeah, I, it's hard to keep track of, of of all the things that she does in the city. But at the same time, I I think I remember that year. That was probably the year I started with both Dayton and Cincinnati Dutch Lions. So. Um, but yeah, I always admired what the Saints did, and I always thought the owner, Dave Satterwhy, was a good guy and a guy that wanted to see soccer grow in Cincinnati. So, I definitely- yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave, Dave had and definitely had the passion um, to make that happen. Um, yeah, obviously, he didn't have the resources that you know the Linder family had, and mm-hmm. obviously, they just came in and uh, kind of took over the show. But you know, at the end of the day, you have. You know, kind of what what we were all what we were all chasing there, which is uh, soccer really mattering in this city, and, and it absolutely does now with uh, with FC Cincinnati. Now let's talk about the move from Cincinnati to Dayton. What was that like? So that was an interesting one. You know, it, when FC Cincinnati first got announced, we were all kind of like, "Okay, crap! What? What? You know, what does this mean for us?" Like. Mm-hmm how are we going to compete? You know, how are we, you know, even from a, you know, from an advertising standpoint, we're obviously not going to be able to spend at the levels that, you know, the limners are going to be able to spend to put billboards everywhere and advertise. I mean, we, we ran, we shot, produced and made our own, uh, like 30 second ad that we ran a few times during Premier League matches, uh, on, on channel fives remember that you know that was and that was a big thing for us to pull that off and now you have uh you know this new club coming into town that has this much bigger aspirations and and a lot deeper pockets to where they can put up a billboard you know on every street corner and run radio and television ads like crazy and so it was just from that point it was like well how are we gonna compete with this and so i didn't know what the plan was and then satterwhite called me up one day and he was like, Hey, so we are going to take the team up to Dayton. Uh, I think we're going to rebrand. We're probably going to rebrand, uh, to the dynamo since that was a name that already resonated, uh, resonated in, in the city, uh, especially with the soccer community. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it kind of worked out because at the time, uh, I lived in Trenton. So I was like halfway between Cincinnati and Dayton. So that was an easy choice for me. Mm. Our head coach actually lived uh, in Dayton that entire time and was driving all the way down to downtown Cincinnati like four days a week. Um, so he was on board. So it was it came together a lot quicker than I thought we did. And, and you know, obviously then we, we go about settling on actually taking over that Dynamo name and – rebranding that and, and DJ uh, actually was the one that, that created the logo and everything. And so, so to kind of, you know, it was cool to be with the saints, 
you know, just in, in the regular sense of like getting me a part of the soccer organization. But the move to Dayton was really cool because it was us getting to kind of really, you know, really have some hands-on approaches to kind of the identity of the club and, and what, you know, the crest looked like. And, and I'm, you know, sitting in on meetings where we're going over, you know, all these different design ideas and all of these different uh, color concept ideas and jersey ideas. And just seeing it all come together from from that ground floor was, was really cool and really fun to be a part of. Take me through the process of picking the Dynamo name. You mentioned DJ created the logo, which my magnet of the logo is still on the fridge. That's how much I liked it. But uh, take me through the process of rebranding from the Saints to the Dynamo. Yeah, I think it was... The whole the, the moment we said look, we're going to take the team to Dayton, that was one of the first things that anybody we talked to would mention. Like, oh, are you going to like are you going to rebrand and be the Dynamo? You know, like, are you bringing back the Dynamo? Because the Dynamo had already existed in the eighties and nineties as this you know cult legend of uh, this indoor soccer team that played in the city back in the heyday of of arena soccer and. So it, that was kind of always like that no-brainer move hanging out there. So then it was kind of going through the steps of like, okay, do we want to go straight for that? Do we want to have something that's more ours that we make from scratch? Um, then you sort of start throwing around the ideas and the names. And the problem is you, you – and it's a problem that kind of permeates through soccer. That there's just too many generic formulas to go with of like, oh, Dayton FC, Dayton United – um, you know, and those just don't feel like they have, those just feel like, I mean, anybody could make that name up. Anybody could really come up with that. There's no thought in that. There's no intention in that. Um, you know, we, we felt like Gem City was a cool name to use, but it was also at the time maybe a little bit overused. So we were like, maybe we won't do that. And at the end of the day, we were like, you know, the Dynamo name is, it, it, you know, it, it's historic in this city for soccer. And to bring it back for another generation of fans would just be too cool and just too cool of an opportunity for us to skip out on. So obviously then we had to kind of do the legwork of like, you know, who who technically owns the name, uh, who know, who owns any of like the logos or images or any of that stuff and, and kind of had to go through that and find out all that stuff and it ended up being that really not really anybody mm. had trademarked a lot of that stuff and some of that stuff had laughed and <laughs> so we, just, we just went for it and um, yeah it was it was cool I mean that was kind of the big thing when we had our press conference of like you know we're announcing ourselves and that was like the big thing we were hiding is like the will they or won't they? Will they take the Dynamo name or will they come up with something different? And then getting to kind of be in the room and be the one unveiling it myself in that press conference of like, yeah, that's the name. Here it is. Here's the logo. We're the Dynamo. Um, that, was, that was a cool moment. That's, that's probably one of the coolest uh, experiences I've had. That was a really cool uh, media gathering too where the banner was just ripped off and you see the logo and the new jerseys and everything that was really cool I remember going to that at CJ uh, do, you, yeah. do you remember any of the names that were rejected uh, before the Dynamo was finalized 
Uh, you know, I, I don't think we ever really got that part on the road on any of the names. I know from a logo standpoint, we, we looked at a lot of logos that, um, you know, I mean, if you look at the, the logo that we ended on, uh, for people that don't know, is basically you kind of your, your general bad shape, soccer shape, uh, there for uh, a logo, you know, Dayton and Dynamo kind of in this ring. And then on the, in the, uh, in the middle is basically uh, a propeller kind of just in full motion mm. with kind of just the, the, you know, lines coming off of it, showing that it's, it's you know, it, it's going. And so that was kind of the big thing. It's like, what's that logo going to look like? What's it going to incorporate? You know, are we going to lean more on, you know, the dynamo kind of tends to um, pull from, not just like an engineering and an, and an aviation history within the city, but, um, you know, more kind of just a, a general kind of aviation or uh, engineering name. So do we go with like gears? Do we go with, and then we're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. It's, it's, it's got to have, you know, it's, it's got to have more of an aviation feel to it. Um, and then it was like, okay, should it be like a, a plane? Should it be a fighter jet? Should it be, you know, like the Wright brothers plane, shit like which, so then we were kind of going through all of that and there was like a million, you know, mock-ups of that. And so that was kind of cool to be a part of. And, and finally, I think, that, you know, I think there was a lot of like fighter jet kind of looking ones mm. that almost are reminiscent of what like the Winnipeg jets ended up going with here in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, very similar look. Uh, but yeah, we ended up going with the, the logo we did with the, uh, Peller and, uh, DJ created that one, and I, I think it's—I think it's a fantastic logo. I do too. I just—I just miss the team. But with you, I do. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I definitely do. Just the way you know the second season, how incredible that was moving to Roger Glass Stadium near downtown Dayton, yeah. and the playoff and a winning team. Yeah, it just how impressive they were that season. I—I I don't believe they dropped a home match. Well. Yeah, you see, so you you lucked out because the season before, when I was doing play by play, they didn't do a thing. Uh, like I think we won. Oh goodness, I think we maybe won like one home game. Yeah, I think we had one home win, and then we had a draw against a really good team. We had a draw against Ann Arbor. That yeah felt like a win. A penalty. Kick but besides goal. that, yeah, 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 yeah. Besides that, it was like, man, there was some painful games. There was some painful broadcast. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was a pretty tough season and, you know, being at Welcome Stadium, it's it's very large, but it was still cool yeah. to see the Dynamo name, like we mentioned, return. Mm. And that was my first year with the team as, you know, the inter- internet audio voice. So it was cool working with you and uh, Mary Warden and everyone. And yeah, it's uh, granted, you know, that one win that was tough, but at the same time, it's still really cool. Yeah, no, it was awesome. But yeah, I think yeah, the move to Roger Glass, I, I kind of, I, I kind of hate the fact that I missed out on that because I, I, I know it was such, you know, even when I was just seeing the designs for it that previous year, I knew it was just gonna be such a better setup for us and just having the fans be just right up against the pitch, mm. um, and it's just a good facility. So I, I missed that I, I didn't get to be a part of that. And plus, at Roger Glass, there's no track. You're literally on top of the pitch. So. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah, it's. It, I, I love that setup. 
Now let's go back to your time with the Saints and Dynamo. What were some of your favorite players, your favorite matches, and just your favorite everything to call? Uh, I mean, you know, so players, I mean, there's there's so many of them, and, and I still know a lot of them. A lot of them play in, in golf and soccer leagues. Uh, a few of them I, I still consider uh, pretty good friends. I One of them actually lives uh, down the street from me, and we get together together. Uh, so often for, for some bourbon and, and, you know, reminisce about old times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's not, I don't know if I can pinpoint, you know, the best player I ever saw, obviously, uh, at, in Dayton, you know, by Kebe, you know, this 37 year old guy from, uh, was, I believe he's from Senegal. Yep. You know, he, he, he's, he's an older guy. He had to play more of like a, a sit back and defend kind of role, but my goodness, that guy had still had just skill and technique and touch on that ball that was like nothing I had ever seen before. And, and, and I don't think anybody else at that NPSL, NPSL level had seen that. Like, I mean, he, this is a guy that had played in the Champions League in Europe against Liverpool and stuff like that. And here he is, you know, at, at, at Welcome Stadium, uh, still with the same just smooth action out on the pitch. And that so just from like getting to watch somebody, that was pretty cool. That was pretty special. Um, but yeah, I mean, luckily most of the guys that played on the teams, all the way from the 2014 Saints all the way to uh, you know the, the 2016 Dynamo, I, I I I've still kept in touch with most of them. Um, cool moments, you know the the first it was the second broadcast actually the second broadcast mm. uh, playing. Uh, against Detroit and mm. all their fans showing up and it being a really close match and Detroit was a really good team and the, the Saints were, were not, you know, favored to really do much that year and um, ended up ended up losing that game on the last second goal. Mm. But just the energy on that one was so cool and it, it was just it was just a really cool atmosphere. I, I still kick myself that I didn't get to uh pull off a broadcast in Detroit and go up there and see all those fans and, and see their supporters um, just in full voice. Uh, you know, they, they packed that thing out uh, with several thousand people, which at, at that level um, is pretty incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, those are my, some of my favorite memories. There's goofy memories. So one time we went, actually myself and uh, Charlie Hatch, who now works with FC Cincinnati, we went on a road trip with the team. And we went to, they were playing, I believe they were called the Twin, Minnesota Twin Stars. Yeah. That's... And played played out in like suburban Minneapolis. <laughs> and so we drove, we drove all the way there, which is already, that's, that's, a, that's a long way to drive. That's a um, bit of a hike. Luckily, my parents uh, lived in Milwaukee at the time, so we were able to kind of just uh, have a nice little pit stop there and stay there for the night and then continue driving the next morning. But um, so we get up there and I'm pulling up on my phone, like the address on the website and the address on the website was like, I, they had it in that wrong. So it was actually like their mailing address, which was actually just somebody's house. <laughs> um, so then I'm calling this person and like, she's trying to give me direction and she's giving directions to me as if I already live in Minneapolis <laughs> and know where everything is. 
And she's like, yeah, just go up to the, you know, just go up to the Hardee's and turn a left. And I'm like, where's the, what? Like, can you just, and then we get there. Like, I'm just fighting with her on the phone for like 20 minutes. Like, can you just give me an address? And she's like, no, I'll just, I'll just guide you in. I'm like, give me an address. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, just hang left here to the park. Just go past that. We end up getting to, like, they play at a high, like most NPSL teams, they play at a high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, the first thought is like, why didn't she just tell me the name of the high school? I should just look that up. Like, why did she make that so hard? <laughs> well, you were supposed to play at that house. Didn't you get the memo? I mean. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So we get there. Uh, you know, we, we get there. There was 11, 11 players for the for the state. And this, I don't, you know, I, the state didn't exist. So no one's going to get in trouble from this. But, mm. um we had a couple players that couldn't make it up, and which is always tough at the NPS level, NPSL level, the, the travel. You know, most of these guys have full-time jobs. Most of the, a lot of these guys even have families. Um, they just got stuff going on. So it was always hard to get a full roster for a travel game, especially a travel game where it's like, hey, we're going. I think it was they were playing the Twin Stars in Minneapolis on a Saturday. And then that Sunday, they were going to drive down to play the team in Madison um, mm. on their way back. So and that's generally how you did away trips. You would do two at once. So you would play somebody on like a Friday, and then on your way back, you'd play somebody else on a Saturday. Um, so it was just always hard. It was always hard to get a lot of people to show up. And so <laughs> they had exactly 11 players, but that's only because – uh, the goalkeeper for that match, his buddy, uh, his buddy who played with him, one of his teammates at UD, mm-hmm. lived in Minneapolis and just came and showed up. And we gave they we gave him a a player card for a different for just some guy on our team. <laughs> and we're like, hey, you're this guy today. Uh, if the ref or anybody asks, and then. Uh, Jamie Starr, who was actually the coach, was supposed to be the coach for that game because our head coach couldn't make it up there. Jamie Starr, who went on to uh, be the keeper coach for FC Cincinnati for uh, a season or two, mm-hmm. he he goes up there, and it ends up being that they are so few players that he ends up using uh, a play, his own player card and actually has to be a player instead of so there was no coach for the game. Um, they, he had to actually play, and I think he actually had to play like a defender position. He's a goalkeeper by trade. Um, and and we ended up winning the match, uh, which is the best part about it. Wow. I mean, with all you just said, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> but I remember walking up there talking to them. I was like, hey, who's that guy? And they're like, oh, that's uh, – I forgot who they named. And I was like, no, that's – what are you talking about? And they go, well, today he is. According to everyone, uh, that's his name today. I was like, oh, okay, gotcha, copy that. Um, but, yeah, that was an interesting trip. Uh, that was actually also one of the few games that uh, Luke Spencer played for the Saints, who he went on to uh, play for uh, Cincinnati and then went and moved on to Louisville, where he actually helped them uh, score the winning goal to win the USL Cup a couple years ago um, over over Phoenix. So, And he was – he was along for that wild ride too, so he he had that fun up in Minneapolis. Uh, so yeah, there's just goofy stories like that um, when you work in NPSL because as much as there 
you try to have good organization as much as you try to have like everybody on the same page and everybody show up. It's, there's a lot of times you just kind of just uh, winging it and happen to pull, pull some, some stuff together at the last minute to, to get the show to happen. Stuff happens, so that's that's a really good story. I, I thank you for sharing that. Uh, can you tell yeah, me? That's one of my favorite ones. Can you tell me another one of your favorite stories? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There was, there was a game. I want to say. Oh, okay. So I, you were here. For, you were there for this one. This was the year that you, I believe, were were helping out with the Saints. We're at um, what is it? Wal- Walnut Hills High School, I think it is. Uh, Actually, we're there. I don't. I don't think I ever helped out with the Saints in Cincinnati. I was just the two years at the Dynamo. Okay, I, for some reason I thought you were there helping, helping Don out with something or I don't know. No, but, I, I met so, Don. Um, yeah, Welcome Stadium year. So uh, okay, all right. So I was just next year. Yeah, so, <laughs> we had to do the PA. Uh, you know, the PA guy. It was a weird setup because um, Walnut Hills High School is super old, super cool looking. We're basically the stadium and the seats are basically like built onto the side of the school, like these big concrete uh, steps and pretty cool setup, but not exactly conducive for broadcast. So they didn't really have a press box. It was actually like a hallway Mm. that was between, I think like a cafeteria and a gymnasium. Mm. And like, that was the hallway that also had like, that's where you set up like the, they'd have the mall box and everything to like set up like mics and all that stuff for the PA. And so Don would have to do the PA from there. Hmm. We on nice days would do the play by play from under a tent, just on the concourse, just basically just under him. Hmm. And so what would always happen is that the person that was doing the uh, national anthem Mm. would basically be standing right by us the whole time. And the national anthem is always a weird one for broadcast because, like, you you know, you don't want dead air, but also you not you don't want to be talking during the anthem. So that's always a weird one. You Generally, broadcast, you try to time it out to where you're at a commercial break when that happens because it's kind of hard to just air it um, and just have just, just dead air kind of for that whole period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, maybe you're breathing too heavy and your mic's still on. So that sounds weird too. Um, so you try to avoid it. It doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And this particular day, not only did it not happen, but really one of the worst like scenarios in my head of like awkward moments could happen where we had this young, like middle school age girl was going to do the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're, we're live, we're rolling. She's, Get into the national anthem, and she again, she's standing like at like two feet away from me. Like that's how close she was. Because the mic, Don actually had to take the mic and just like hang it out the window and hand it to her. <laughs> and then she's standing on the concourse right next to us, and she's doing the anthem. And wow, she got like one or two bars into the song and just froze. Oh, and I'm just sitting there like, uh. And I turn around, and then, like, I turn around, but I don't want to, like, be, like, too panicky and turn around, like, oh, I'm going to stare at you now from a minute, from, you know, from a foot away, and you're not doing this thing. And every, everybody's looking at you, and you were having an absolute panic attack. So, like, we didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, we're only here. I didn't know what to do. Mm. Uh, Don didn't know what to do. Like, does Don start, like, 
yank it on that mic cord and like yank it out of her hands and pull it back up into the window. Like, <laughs> what do we do? And then like, it probably only lasted like maybe five seconds. It felt like 20 minutes of you're just, everyone just panicked. Like, Oh no. What? <laughs> like, are we just all going to stand here and watch this girl have like this whole, like this meltdown in front of us and freak out. Mm. And I think like after like a couple seconds, the supporters group just started singing the, the rest of the anthem. Hmm. Um, because oh, because it was played with a track. So there was like the actual like music track and then this girl was gonna sing over it. Ah. So and like she just froze. Like karaoke. So the song's know. continuing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the song, like the instrumental is still continuing. Mm. And then at some point, like the crowd just kind of took over. And then this girl's having this whole meltdown. And she's not, she doesn't leave the area. Cause then like her mom's consoling her and hey, yeah, you feel bad for her. her mom's consoling her. All these people are consoling her. Mm. But then like the anthem ends and like, we have to start the broadcast and there's this like 12 year old girl just sobbing loudly, mm. like a foot away from me as I'm like, Hey, welcome in to, you know, mm. what from a, you know, a beautiful day here in Cincinnati. You just hear this girl just sobbing right behind me. Um, and it was, I could hear it in my headset. It was clearly going out over the air. Like this whole, this whole conversation that's happening with their mom. We were like, oh, it's okay. We'll come back another time. <laughs> and that was, um, you know, a lot of times you'll get stuff where there is kind of stuff being said into your ear, your earpiece, and there's just feedback and there's something. And you just have to just keep like, you just have to focus in and keep going. Yeah. And that was probably one of the hardest ones for me. Yeah, that's tough. I, uh... That, uh, that is a tough thing to do. Um, now, Loveland Tigers football is supposed to go Walnut Hills, and if everything you know is played right, I'm supposed to be broadcasting with them again. Uh, how similar is Walnut Hills to Withrow? Because Withrow sounds really similar to that, and I enjoyed my stop there. We were outside, and we had a extension cord uh, thrown at us from uh, one of the stories up high. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I think it's okay. actually, you, I, you know, I, I actually, I think we might be talking about Withrow okay. and not Walnut Hill. I don't know. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. I, I think that's the high school we're talking about. I like, I like Angus, Angus Keene Stadium. And yeah, I mean, with the track around, you, you the action's a little farther away. It's, but. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool venue in general. But mm. again, like, yeah, anytime you're talking about the track there, I think it, it takes away from that soccer feel of like being like right next to the pitch. But the classic feel, like it feels like a university right there. That's you know. Yeah, no. It, it, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a high school stadium straight out of like a like a movie or something like that, where you have these big, you know, it's and the whole place looks like a university. There's a big brick, uh, concrete steps going all the way up on the side of the building. So yeah, yeah, you, you're right. It was Withrow, not not Wallerville. That was actually my first game uh, for Loveland Tigers football, and we were sitting behind some of the Loveland fans like, are they broadcasting? No, I just wanted to bring my headset and my gear and just talk into it today, you know? <laughs> I figured that'd be fine. But, uh, no, I didn't say that. That that wouldn't be nice of me. But, yeah, uh, so I, I like Withrow. And can we also talk about real quick how the Saints played at Stargell Stadium for a bit, and now the site of the original Stargell is going to be the home of the West End Stadium where FC Cincinnati is going to play next year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, part, hey, part of uh, David Satellite's vision, I mean, he knew that that was, that was the perfect location to play soccer in a downtown setting where you're 
really close to the over the Rhine district. So yeah, there's all the, the bars there and, and restaurants. Um, it's, it's where a lot of the younger crowd is, is moving to right around there. So yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. He nailed that spot, you know, back in 2014. Do you know if Stargell's uh, second stadium's open yet? Uh, it is. Oh, it is open. Okay. Cause... It, uh, so they, I think they, they were supposed to open at the beginning of last uh, football season and ended up having to open like maybe a month late. Yeah. Because things weren't done on time. Yeah, I think Taft was supposed to have the first football game there. And I, you know, I never read if they did open it up or not but it's just yeah no they yeah so they were supposed to have that first one of the season to kind of open it and they ended up having to have it like somewhere else i remember that and i was like mm, that's tough but at least they did get stargell two opened up and sticking with soccer what exactly is gotham soccer so gotham soccer uh we run adult rec soccer league primarily short side 77 soccer league is for adults mm. all across the u.s so we started out in new york back in 06 um grew to cincinnati uh around 2014 and then we've now uh moved into dayton we play in we've, we have leagues in dayton um we actually we actually play at chaminade julian is where we have our monday league and then actually whenever we do start up for the year uh we'll actually be also starting uh leagues at carroll high school because they just got a brand new turf field yes they did um so we'll be playing there uh and then we're up in columbus we're over in indianapolis we're down in louisville and we're out in arizona so you're a commissioner what's your role so i run basically all the operations for cincinnati dayton and louisville so i'm in charge of Recruiting the team, you know, getting the teams to sign up, getting people to sign up, getting returning teams to commit for the next season, uh, hiring all the reps, uh, getting all the permits for the field, building out all the schedules, and running. We do three outdoor sessions, so spring, summer, fall, and then we do some small football leagues in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but so basically doing, running all those operations for three different cities. And how can people that are interested in playing soccer, you know, reach out and try out for Gotham? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a rec league. We take um, whoever wants to play. Uh, you just sign up and you, you pay the player fee or you, you sign up your team and, and play the, pay the team fee. And you can just go to GothamSoccer.com and then pick on which city you live in. So if you want to play in Dayton or Cincinnati or, or somewhere else, uh, you just go from there. And you just register, and then we get you set up, and I'll be in contact with you, and we'll, we'll get get you rolling and get you out there to play uh, play some soccer. And how long has Gotham soccer been a thing? Uh, so since 2006 was when we started in New York, but the, the actual expansion that got us out here into the Midwest started uh, around 2014. I see. And how long have you been commissioner? Uh, I started in 2017. So it was actually right after the 2016, right going into the 2017 uh, NPSL season that I had to, that I took the job. So I had to step away from that. Okay. Is there any fields in Cincinnati or Dayton that you'd like Gotham soccer to reach out to? You mentioned CJ and Carol up here, but is there any fields that, you have on like your wish list 
Um, I mean, yeah, there's always like, you know, more fields that we'd like to do. Um, you know, in Cincinnati, we're actually spread out pretty good. We got, we got a field out on, on the east side in Anderson. We play up in Westchester. We play at two different, or actually technically three different places in kind of the more central Cincinnati area. Uh, you know, we, we would have liked to eventually get something maybe out on the west side of things, maybe towards, uh, maybe towards like Harrison or something like that. You know, Harrison's putting in that new turf field, too, and it looks really nice. Yeah. Now That'd be perfect. I mean, Harrison, I think Taylor has a pretty nice field, don't they? Yeah. Okay. Now let's uh, talk about you and your broadcasting career again. Is there any other sports you want to try? Um, Not really. I, I, you know, I think, I think the only other one that I think I would actually feel like comfortable ever doing mm. just because I have, you know, I think you have to come from at least a little bit of knowledge when you go into a game and have a, an understanding of it. it would probably be like, it'd be super cool to, to call like golf. golf and just be out there or be in one of those little like a uh, high, uh, you know, booths there mm. in one of those little towers, looking at all the monitors, looking down at, you know, one of the greens and calling in your in your hush town, you know. Actually, on the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast, I was joking that I probably wouldn't be able to do golf just because my voice is just always like this. It's never calm. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I would have to like I, I would have to figure out what I would do when like something big happens and <laughs> you want to get excited but not like that excited, and I would probably just blow out the microphone. Yeah, I feel like I could do the calm voice for a little bit, but then there's a long drive like, wow, did you see that drive? <laughs> we got to get this broadcaster out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely I definitely think that that would be probably the hardest part about it, especially like if you're one of the, you know, some of the guys that actually have with packs and everything are out on the course with the players and they're, you know, chiming in on the broadcast. And obviously, like, they're talking in a low tone because, like, they're actually like literally like feet away from the guy golfing. So like they can't be loud, but that would be the hardest part to like restrain yourself. Absolutely. Now, Jeremy, what's some of your favorite things about sports in Cincinnati and the Dayton area? Um, you, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's weird cause I not growing up here originally, like FC Cincinnati is actually the first professional team in this area that I'd actually like considered myself a fan of. Like, obviously I'm not uh, a Bengals fan or Reds fan. Um, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I went to Wright State, so I'm not a UC fan or a, a Xavier fan down here in Cincinnati. Mm. Um, you know, so it, it, if you talk about like what I enjoy, it's, it's FC Cincinnati. And the other thing that's like super cool about this area that I think not a lot of people get, mm. um, is that like high school football is such a big deal in, oh, this, in this area? I mean, um, which you know, I, I think sometimes living in kind of the Southwest Ohio bubble, mm. you forget that like it's not that way everywhere else. Like yeah, in the South, and like yeah, in Texas, and like that makes sense, and we already know about that. But like mm. the yeah, the rest of the Midwest is kind of hit or miss. Whereas like anywhere you go in Ohio, oh. high, uh, high school football is so big and means so much. So. I would say that that's definitely another one. And then uh, one thing I always mention 
when people tell me about the sports scene in the city mm-hmm. is I say that the most, the coolest event, and it's an event that I have actually got to cover for, I haven't covered it for like five or six years straight, is there's actually like a massive global tennis tournament. That's right. In the area every year. Uh, the Western and Southern Open out in Mason, Ohio, which is like northern suburbs of Cincinnati. And it's because of where it sits in the calendar, it's, it's always two weeks before the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. And because of that, everybody, every big name in the, or in, the, in the tennis world shows up and plays. And so you can go and, and pay, actually, honestly, reasonable prices mm-hmm. to go to this tennis event and see some of the biggest sports stars on the planet. It's it's crazy to think that one of the oldest major tennis circuits are here in Cincinnati. Yeah, and I, yeah. I remember the one year I got to cover it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I had to learn a lot about tennis on the fly, but at the same time, is it's great action. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it, you know it. Tennis was something I always you know paid a little bit of attention to. And found it a little bit interesting. And then you go and like if you like seeing tennis live is a different thing than watching it on TV. It's it's a definitely a in person sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so I learned that from doing that, and then you just the opportunities to talk to and, and meet some of the, you know the biggest athletes on the planet. And apparently, they all hang out at like the uh, Applebee's, like right over by it. <laughs> so you just go ahead park it at the Applebee's and see like. You know, Andy Murray there just, you know, getting a Cobb salad or whatever. Worldwide reach, and they choose Applebee's. <laughs> At the Applebee's. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. I guess, but... I guess like, it, I guess what happens is, like, there's, like, the preferred hotel that they put players in, and, like, yeah. it shares the parking lot with an Applebee's. So these guys are just like, all right, I'll just go check this place out. And not know, not knowing that it's Applebee's. And then it's probably, you know, not, I mean, it's fine or whatever, but like, there's probably better places in the area to go to, but they just kind of, they can just walk from the room over to the Applebee's and back and not have to worry about running into anybody. And so, you know, you can go there and Ross and Adolf getting the, you know, two for two entree thing and, you know, just living it up at Applebee's in Mason, Ohio. It it still makes me laugh about that, but that's, that's very, uh, that's, that's probably why, and that's a shame. Yeah, because there's probably some great restaurants in Mason, and oh yeah, that, Mason's uh, not lacking in restaurants. Oh no, it's uh, what a great suburb it is, and they, uh, as long as well as the tennis center, they also have a very nice baseball field in Prasco Park, and the people yeah. that own it, you know, they don't collect, you know, concessions, they don't collect parking, they don't. You can play there for free, basically, and yeah. They, yeah, it's, it's funny, though, because doing the tournament for all those years, I would run into these. I would be chatting in the press uh, box with all of these media people from all over the world. Mm. And they would kind of talk about it like, oh, there's not, you know, it's kind of not really a whole lot to do. I was like, well, yeah, you're in the sub. Like, you understand this isn't Cincinnati. You're in the suburbs. Like, yeah, if you want, like, nightlife, you need to go get on that highway right there and drive downtown. Like, you're. This is a suburb. This is where people just live and go to school and raise families. This is not where people hang out and have like a lot of fun and play big nightlife. Basically, but 
at the same time, how cool is it that Cincinnati has that? It, it, it's it's one of the things like I, I don't understand because you'll talk to people, and I'll mention it, and it's very rare that someone will be like, oh, yeah, I go to that, or I'll check that out. Like They'll be like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. I've never gone to like, you are Like, it's right there. You're missing out. Like, it's just such a good experience, and it's such a big deal, and it's right there. Now, my next question is, what would you like to see in the future of the area sports or media scene? Um, well, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, I, it would be cool to get ourselves back in a position where, you know, local sports talk is, is something that happens all day long instead of just during, you know, PM drive. Uh, that would be cool to happen. You know, have more, more kind of, uh, brands and outlets as far as, uh, you know, sports media that are local to this area that are thriving and, and, that people rely on because I think that it is something that most big cities have and so far, you know, just hasn't been around for a while. Um, so I, I'd say part of that. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're in a pretty good place. I mean, my, my bucket list item was always a professional soccer team. So I, I guess I'm good now. I guess I'm, I guess I'm out of things. I've reached the mountaintop. <laughs> Now, for those that are interested in becoming a broadcaster or joining the sports field, what advice can you give? Um, you know, I, I think the, the biggest advice is just, you know, you got to keep pursuing it. You got to keep going for it. Um, but, you know, there, I think a lot of there's a new way that just kind of everything's calibrated mm. where you can do things without having, like, I had to have, I had to find a way to get a foot in the door at a radio station. And then once in that radio station, a foot in the door as far as getting myself on the air. Mm. But nowadays, you know, with podcasts, with blogs, with YouTube channels, it's so easy for anybody to do it. Like the barrier of entry of trying it out doesn't exist anymore. So I think you just, if you want to do it, you got to do it, you know, spend that $50 on a microphone, spend that, you know, a little bit of money on, you know, if you want to do videos on some kind of editing software you go for it. Cause that's, that still might cost some money, but it's still way easier than some of the hoops that people, you know, back when, when we were starting out and, and people before us had to jump through just to get like, just a little bit, just to get like, even just a touch of airtime. And now you can just create it yourself. So do it, just create it. Isn't the, isn't the internet wonderful for that? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that you can, you know, my, I don't know, my kids watch all these YouTube channels, and it's just these kids, <laughs> like, opening up toys, and these kids make millions of dollars through this. And it's like, this. there's no talent in this, but you can do it, and you can still make money, and that's awesome. You know, the, you know he has his own brand of toys. <laughs> oh, yeah, we bought them. They're garbage. <laughs> I, I I'm very familiar with that too because my uh my stepdaughters do that as well and it's like yeah what you have all these toys here now yeah open it yourself and play with it you why watch someone else do it <laughs> uh Jeremy last uh last up how can people follow your work and you on social media um so uh wrong side of the pond uh is wrong side of pond that our Twitter handle. Um, obviously then just you know, whatever podcast app you use, you can find wrong side of the pond on there to follow our podcast, which we've been, uh, keeping up with. Normally we take most of the summer off 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been keeping up with it just because I think we're all locked in our houses and need something to do. So we're, yeah. we've just been doing stuff every week. Um, and then I'm just at Jeremy Lance. I got in early on Twitter, so it's just my name. Very cool. Jeremy, thanks for your time today. It's been a lot of fun catching up. And let's hope we have sports soon. Oh, Great. I need it. There's golf on right now. I'm watching some golf right now as we speak. I mean, Finally back. There is there is soccer. I mean, FC Cincinnati is going to go to Orlando, but yeah, yeah, because that's where everyone wants to go in the middle of summer. Is Orlando, Florida? But Mickey Mouse where it's is a there. thousand degrees. Mickey Mouse is there, and Shaquille O'Neal with the magic and everything. Yeah, yeah. and 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 heat stroke, heat stroke <laughs> is also there. Yeah, it's up here too. Let's let's. Not, <laughs> yeah, it's not just in Florida, but that's true. It's everywhere. Jeremy, thank you for your time today. And definitely, folks, give Wrong Side of the Pond a listen. You will love that podcast if you're a big soccer fan. And that wraps up episode 160 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 161. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mowans mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowan, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.